Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the side. It's the 49er Faithful UK Show. It's week 14. Yes, really, week 14. It's here already. And it's bird hunting season continues with a rematch of the Thanksgiving Day Roast. The fading Seattle Seahawks head to Levi's. The Niners have won the last three and the Hawks have lost their last three. We And the Seahawks have now fallen out of the playoff places and are even behind the LA Rams. Easy win or potential trap game? I'm Gareth Ellis, and answering that, it is Paul Hope. What's up, Fairfall? And Lee Gowland. It's both an easy win and a trap game. There you go. <laughs> Good. I was there off the start. On the fence, straight away. On the fence. Uh, once, and, oops, excuse me. once again, uh, Nagy is putting the shifts in. I think it must be penance for his goldmine trip. But hopefully he will be able to join us soon. Um, before we get to the game, lads, there has been a little bit of news this week that's been worth talking about. Uh, we have signed a new safety, uh, Logan Ryan, and not Ryan Logan, as I thought it might be. Um, slightly confused me. Good signing for the rest of the season. We did talk about this a couple of weeks ago, maybe being a little bit thin at safety. Um, must admit, he's not someone who's been on my radar much. So I don't really have an opinion about him. But it sounds like we probably needed to sign a safety. Yeah, so I mean, it's more experience in the safety room there. I can't actually see him coming in and uh, grabbing one of the starting roles. So yeah, looking at who we got at the moment, I think it is a good signing. Um, I, I was quite surprised he was a free agent, to be honest, because he is a decent player, or he was in the he was in the past. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I, I chuckled because he was on a cruise ship, and I thought the only other man. I know who goes on the cruise is Lee Gowland. And then I thought he's definitely not Lee's cup of tea when he said that the news joined, that he was joining the Niners, he didn't drink alcohol for the rest of the cruise. So I thought that's got to be a waste in Lee's eyes. But uh, 32 years old, Gareth, you've got experience. We said it on the last show, Hafanga's injury, um, the fact that Odom has gone down. I think we'll see him come in special teams. And it kind of signals the end for Oliver for me. Oliver's coming and took some snaps but if you're bringing someone in off the street but I wasn't surprised to see TDP another running back taken mm. in the third round released to make way and like you said at, at this stage of the season you're looking at people coming in who can add something if needed in this uh, playoff run, Super Bowl run whatever you want to call it but I'm glad we've got his name the right way around. Off air, there was a bit of confusion, listeners. We're not going to lie to you. We weren't sure which way his name was, but we've got that done now, Gareth. So what do you think? Logan. Solid signing? I think so. Like I said, I, I, he wasn't really on my uh, radar. He's a, he's a Super Bowl winner. Was he with the Bucks uh, a few years ago? I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah there we go. That's good. That That is as much as I know about him. Did uh, Did anyone pick up TDP? I don't believe so. I think he cleared waivers. Have yeah, we re-signed him to the practice squad, or is he, or is I his time as a 49er definitely over? I haven't seen anything. I mean, obviously, as soon as CMC came through the door last year, the, the writing was on the wall for a lot of the running backs, and he just hasn't taken his opportunity, has he? But uh, really just not. want to say this ahead of next year: don't draft a running back in the third round. <laughs> Doesn't seem to work out for us. Yeah, or well, don't be that running back drafted in the third round. You just know it's the it's the nail in the coffin of your career. Speaking of careers, 
uh, Robbie Gold has called it a day on his career. Uh, I think that news came out just this afternoon as we were were recording. Uh, Didn't seem to pick up any interest this season. I think he was hoping to sign somebody and he's clearly decided that it's coming up for Christmas. I'm not going to get signed unless, of course, he could come out if there's an emergency kicker needed for the playoffs. That wouldn't surprise me. But it does sound like he's uh, he's made a decision to be with his family and I think do some baseball coaching from what I picked up from his uh, um, retirement statement. But uh, best of luck to Robbie. Uh, he wasn't with the Niners long and I think he'll always be really known as a Bears legend. Um, but I think he... Uh, He certainly made a contribution to the Niners while he was with us. Yeah, he gave me one of my favourite ever memories, that that winning field goal against Green Bay. And Nick Clark shared a post on Instagram earlier, which was the same, you know, one of his greatest memories. But 85% of his kicks, Gareth, and 15 for 15 in the playoffs. So, as we always say, good as gold. Uh, I did tweet it out when I saw it. Um, you're right, I saw it in the Bears um, uniform, but his Twitter account, or X, whatever you want to call it, was the picture of him celebrating as a Niner at Green Bay. So I had to retweet that out, didn't I? Anything that gets the Green Bay fans fuming. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised nobody picked him up, to be honest. Mm. I mean, just off his nickname, good as gold. You, you know he's going to make the kicks. His leg isn't what he used to be. So... Anything over 50, he, he struggles a little bit, but still, he hasn't missed that many. Ever, ever since the uh, season that Nadji completely jinxed him, he, I mean, he picked up after that. But yeah, it's a, it's a shame that he's retired because he's one of those players that you just kind of wish he'd been able to get a championship ring. And ironically, <laughs> I mean, he could have signed a one-year extension with us, but he, he turned around and said, no, I want to go closer to Chicago. And he was so convinced somebody was going to pick him up. He thought it was a no-brainer at low risk. And uh, it hasn't turned out that way. So nobody's been interested and now he's retiring. And it looks very much likely the 49ers going to the Super Bowl and potentially win it because we are the best team in football at the moment. And we're not even biased, everyone. Mm. Check out those power rankings. There's, there's, I've got no argument for that. So, But yeah... Uh, Good memories of Robbie. I think particularly uh, it was mentioned, I think in the group as well. Obviously, he kicked the game winner against the Saints in that monster scoring game that those of us who were at the Edinburgh meetup will remember or partially remember or remember was, bits of at least for, for a long time. The bits that we do remember, we will remember for a long time. The bits that we don't remember are consigned to CCTV in Edinburgh. So... Thanks, Robbie. It was a he was he was great to have on the team. Um, so and it's yeah, tough shoes for uh, Jake Moody to fill. Yeah, uh, more more rumours. Uh, Zach Ertz has been linked with the 49ers since his uh, escape release from the uh, Arizona Cardinals. It does sound like the the 49ers have some genuine interest, um, and it does yeah. sound like Ross Dwelly is carrying enough of an injury to even be considered as an IR candidate. Not that he's... I don't think he's hardly done anything this season. I don't even know if he's had a target. Um, It certainly seems that Charlie Warner has taken over as the main pure blocking tight end. So it's interesting. uh, I'm quite... I'd be quite happy to see him sign. Bit of experience. If he's got the right sort of attitude, then could be an interesting little wrinkle 
to add into our offense at this stage of the season. So, so this is a conversation I had with Nadja before we started recording the previous pod. And I actually turned around and said, look, Zakat has been released. He would be a very good piece for the 49ers to, to bring in opposite George Kill. Um, he's got a reasonable blocking grade. Um, it's, it's not outstanding, but it is okay. And I just thought if we have weapons like Kittle and Zachert as the two tight ends, it's, it's just another weapon. It's another weapon where people have to now think, well, who's a Kuhundu? I know they do that anyway, but it's, it's another weapon for Shanahan to play with. And I only changed my mind once I found out he had the IR designation. And then the old uh, brain cells started uh, to fire. And I remember him being put on um, IR. I don't think it was a particularly bad injury. I think it was just one of those ones where he was going to be on short term. Um, he's obviously taken a look at the Cardinals team and thought, what's the point? My, my career is coming to a close. Potentially, um, let's find a let's find a contender. And to be honest, I mean, from what I gather, he's got a choice of the Eagles or the 49ers. I don't think the Cowboys have been mentioned in many articles, but the Ravens, one, I think the Ravens, Ravens right? All, yeah, because yeah, Mark Andrews is out on IR. Yeah, that would make sense as well. But yeah, I mean, if we can make it work. And because he cleared waivers, we we don't have to cover his uh, wage. If we can make it work financially, I, de- I definitely think that's a move that we should make. Because the two guys that we brought in as rookies haven't particularly set the world alight. Thoughts? Go on, Paul. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. That there's no argument at this stage of the, the, the season. Twilight goes and I are can bring someone like him in and he can add that value i'm just kind of the back of my mind thinking if he goes to the eagles or if he goes to the ravens is it going to come back to haunt us my friend who's a cowboys fan said at the moment jake ferguson is, is locked in on on their roster so he doesn't believe there's a serious interest there but it's always interesting when you watch the nfl and you get to the stage of the season and players who are free agents are picking between the contenders and like lee said we're known for being biased on this show but we are the best team in football all the experts agree for once. The power rankings agree. So if you're looking for a contender, you got a number one, don't you? But uh, Kyle exactly. Shanahan will keep us all updated. I don't know if you guys caught his press conferences this week. He seems a little bit more jovial, actually cracking some jokes, which for Kyle <laughs> is a bit of a surprise. And it's that's, that's Rob- dis- disconcerting. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, uh, it's a little bit worrying that he's starting to relax. I hope he doesn't relax too much. Well, to be fair, to counteract that, him and Fred Warner, who I've heard this week, have said there's no... Um, Complacency. After we, beat, after we beat the NFC East team last time, which was the Cowboys, it crept in. And he said, obviously, we're not going to go down that road again. The joke he made was about the Eagles security guard. So I think Larry Kruger had asked him, you know, if other teams are going to do that strategy, you know, brings a non-coaching member of staff in to wind up opposition players and he kind of put a smile on his face and said, well, wait till you see what we do this week. And I thought, bloody hell, Kyle Shanahan making a joke. And then it kind of was glossed over, but then he went down to explain Lee that, yeah, they're, they're not taking the, the foot off the gas this time, which is great to hear. I think it does show that that little bit of a, a, a speed bump in the middle of the season. I think it was a good learning exercise where it was at the right sort of time to learn something for it. 
but also recover from it. I, I haven't heard of uh, any NFL action yet against uh, Dre Greenlaw. It doesn't sound like it's likely he'd suffer a suspension for the game. I think there may have been some sort of fine, but I think that might have been a uh, potentially an issue obviously, if he was going to be suspended for a game. But I should think it being Thursday, they would have needed to have made that decision by now. They can't spring it on the team now. So hopefully Dre will be good to go. I'd be absolutely gobsmacked if they take any action against him whatsoever. Because it was Big Dom that initiated contact. Yeah, I've seen Sirianni's come out afterwards and said, uh, he's sorry, didn't ever want to see anyone ejected. And then KB and R have shared the clip where he's clearly said to the referee, 57 better get ejected. So it's like, oh, really, mate? But uh, Kyle Shanahan didn't know yesterday when they asked him, Gareth, he said he doesn't check his emails. There's people in the organisation whose job is to do that and no one's brought it to his attention, which again, you could argue was another joke. But like Lee said, I'd be very surprised. Um, Mm. But equally, I'm not sure if they're going to take any action against Big Dom either. It looks as if kind of it's the dust has settled and they're kind of just going to move on where I thought they might have come out and said, you know, not um, No, so I, I think that's going to be a little bit more pr- protracted. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think they'll definitely take action against the Eagles, which will then have repercussions for Dom. Right. Okay, okay. I think that's how it will work. But, uh... Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously the media has made a lot of what was a little bit of handbags, really. I don't think there was there was anything from from either side, I, I I must admit, I, it's very clear if you're a, if you're a coach and whatever, you can't interfere with the players, and he clearly does. But I also think it was just it's that reaction of just separating two people who were about to have a fight, and you you don't want to see it. So I don't really think there was much from Dom's side, and clearly, I think I've seen Eagles fans talk about Dre trying to land a punch where he clearly gestures with his hand and happens to brush his face on the way past. Um, and fair play, you know, if Don was someone else, he could have reacted more strongly to that slight brush on the face. Um, I can imagine uh, if he was a premiership footballer, he would have gone down like a platoon moment with that. Um, but I think it's it's a bit of nothing, uh, really. So hopefully the league will agree and say that it's, it's, it was dealt with. It was a 15-yard penalty. Um, the player got ejected because it was uh, um, that roughing, unsportsmanlike conduct, whatever it was, and it's done. So well, anyway. What Kyle Shanahan did say before you move on, Gareth, was as a coaching point, they've sat the team down again and said, don't get involved. Um, and he mm. referenced, I think it was a Dolphins player, had put his hand up to shush and and, a, and his hand got knocked and he knocked into the referee. There was no intent, but he got ejected. So he what got ejected, saying yeah, to the players the is, uh, Kyle saying, we've, we've sat the players down, we've said, just don't get involved. And Carl said, we were annoyed anyway because it was a 15-yard penalty. Don't give them an excuse to add an ejection or more yards. And so I thought that was quite good that the team aren't kind of jumping up and down about the big Dom incident, as in where the victims. Carl's clearly said penalty was given. What we need to do is be better moving forward. And then he went on to you know, defend Dre Greenland, said the player he is. Like you said, hopefully now the dust has settled and you look at it a bit differently. Um, I can't remember it being that big of a talking point up in Newcastle Lee, but kind of like, you know, it happened and then the game continued and then in the days after it's kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger, which seems a bit strange. I think Eagles fans have wanted to make something of it to deflect from the absolute spanking they got. Yeah. 
Anyway, yeah. speaking of spankings, should we go on to talk about the Seahawks game? We've got some uh, some injuries. It is that point of the season. Uh, does look like Eric Armstead is listed as questionable, but from what I've read, it sounds very likely he's going to miss uh, at least one game, if not two. Uh, McLeod is still listed as questionable, as is Elijah Mitchell, Daryl Luter, and Spencer Burford. Now, I think some of these guys have been questionable, I think, because of failing to practice on Wednesdays. So have to be listed, I think, as, as questionable unless they um, do more practice later in the week. As for the Seahawks, there is quite a list. Jamal Adams, safety, uh, linebacker Jordan Brooks, wide receiver Jake Bobo, defensive end Leonard Williams, offensive tackle Abraham Lucas, guard Anthony Bradford, centre Evan Brown, cornerback Trey Brown, uh, running back Zach Charbonnet, and running back Kenneth Walker III are all listed as questionable. So the Seahawks are looking pretty battered. And I think after their last three off, uh, losses, the Seahawks are looking a little bit like a beaten team at the moment, and particularly having faded out of the uh, playoff places. I personally think they could be there for an absolute beating because I think their season's done, and I think they know it. Um, but that could be dangerous because it is the Seahawks, or maybe it's just our past trauma from the last decade or so. Um, but I think if we win this game, it's probably the end of the rivalry. They they ain't half the team we are and don't look like being so in the next few years. Um, what do you think, lads? Yeah, can't really disagree with that. Um, good. I, I think you're right. I think they're open for a good beating. Um, and the, there's a couple of areas where it's probably going to happen as well. So I said off air at the start, I had an interesting stat, but then I changed that to say observation. So I've got an interesting observation about the Seattle Seahawks uh, offensive line. Between the five of them, they've got a combined 14 years experience. So that's quite a young offensive line. And three out of five of them are carrying injuries, as you've just mentioned on the uh, the injury report. Whereas the 49ers O-line has a combined 28 years experience double what the Seahawks have and, and that's with um, two players half. that are relatively new I was going to say half, half and Aaron Banks. Yeah, yeah, one guy yeah so it, it's interesting looking at the two O-lines and um, how that's going to impact the game obviously us offensively you know what Trent Williams is like we can run behind them all day long and never get blocked uh, and on defence going up against uh, such an inexperienced O-line like we did two weeks ago. And I, I'll say it again, I can't believe that was just two weeks today. Can't believe it. And um, yeah, going up against an inexperienced um, O-line like that, I think we're going to have a lot more success this Sunday than what we had two weeks ago, as far as getting the sacks is concerned. Um, obviously, we're playing at home, so you don't have the, uh, the noise issue up in um, Seattle. Not that's particularly a noise issue on defence anyway. Um so yeah, I, I can I can definitely see Gareth being right in this being an absolute thumping. What do you think, Paul? I mean yeah. you know what you're going score wise anyway, but yeah, what do you think I, anyway? Maybe not, maybe not. Um yeah, like you said, Gareth, it was a strange one preparing for this one because we've played so close together. And as much as Lee can't believe it was two weeks ago, he was in Seattle, humble brag I like. I can't believe that we were at the 49ers' last home game. And I tweeted that out earlier. It seems surreal that like we were all counting down to the Buccaneers game 
the Seahawks game came in a flash for us traveling back. But no, you're right with the injuries there. Um, I've done a bit of research on the defense because I felt like I can't remember what I said on the last live, but I've kept it brief. So we'll get into that in a moment. But our offense versus their 23rd ranked defense, it just doesn't seem fair. And I don't think you'll find many Seahawks fans who would disagree that the Eagles are better than them. And you saw what we did to the Eagles. And I think the fact that they've come off such a heartbreak and lost Gareth to the Cowboys, because it was a bit of a shootout at the end. Um, and they've paid the price. And like you said, if they lose this one, the first time in Stinky Pete's Seahawks career that he'll have lost four in a row. So there's a lot of Seahawks fans up in the air about that one. And I think he's leaning on the principles of the Legion of Boom defence, but he just hasn't got the, the pieces. And we've said that before, the way they've drafted. I think they forget what division they're in. They're very strong on the quarterback, but the rest of the defence doesn't give me anything to worry about. No, I think they've. Uh, we talked earlier about how Jamal Adams has not provided a good return on two first-round picks. Uh, and you wonder, you wonder where their strength really is. Obviously, they've got some some talented players. I think, obviously, we've talked at length, I think, about DK Metcalf being hugely overrated. I do think Tyler Lockett is, is has been a good receiver. I think they do have some talent in places. You know, Jordan Brooks, if he plays at, at linebacker, seems to have some something about him. But, you know, they, they're not dominant in any particular position group. Um, and I think they will regret not taking perhaps one of these younger quarterbacks and sticking with Gino, who, yeah, you can win some games with him, but you're not winning championships. You're not winning divisions and playoff games um, with with him, I don't think. He doesn't strike fear into the hearts of defences, does he? You might be accurate, but it's quite easy if you're checking the ball down uh, to some competent running backs and, and tight ends and what have you. You can have a decent completion percentage. It's it's difficult, I think, for to us to analyse this because we did look at it last time. We have seen them so long ago. And obviously that was the, the short week game and away. So we're back at home. We do have potential. I think at this stage of the season, as Lee said, we are the best team. I don't know who's beating us other than ourselves. And that's having that slump, having that either the overconfidence or the, or, or under preparing um, as a, as a consequence of the confidence. Uh, and we end up beating ourselves or we end up doing something stupid. Uh, which again is stupid penalties, it's slack play or it's thinking. We just need to turn up and we'll beat the Seahawks. And I think that's the biggest risk on this game, thinking that turning up will be good enough uh, because it is still the NFL. You can't just turn up. Well, hopefully the fact that the Seahawks have had an additional three days rest might have the players think and we, we need really need to step up today because... We're coming up against a team that's fresher, who's going to be on us. They're not going to they're not going to want to be swept for the second season in a row. So they're going to be up for the game. And whether or not they have the skill set there to do it is a different matter. Like you said, they don't particularly have the Legion of Boom anymore. And if they're going to try and play that way, then they're going to get found out. I think the three days rest is going to show early on rather than late on, believe it or not. You would have thought it would be the opposite way around. But I think early on, it'll show. I think Seattle Seahawks will be up for it. They'll be all over us. Um, but I think we'll do what we always do. Grind teams down. Grind teams down with the inventive play of Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I was going to say, you, t you mentioned penalties, Gareth. The Seahawks have actually drawn an NFL high 
111 penalties for 808 yards. And they've yet to have a game this season where their opponents have more penalty yardage. That wasn't an issue in the last game, but from what I remember watching, when I looked at the stats, um, they had five for 39 yards. We had three for 20. And I'm kind of gutted Nadji's not here tonight because when we talk about Wilkes moving from the booth to the sideline, Nadji's obviously hung on to that. But I was interested to find that at the start of this season, Clint Hurt, who I never mentioned last time, he was actually forced by Pete Carroll upstairs from the field. And Pete mm. Carroll believes that your coordinators are more productive watching from up high. And that goes back to a conversation he had with George Seifert from the 49ers. I knew we weren't doing history corner tonight, but I thought I'd sprinkle a bit in there. But I think you'd struggle to find any Seahawks fans, Gareth, who would agree the move has been a good one. This Seahawks defence on paper should have been more talented than what it is. It hasn't been productive. I said earlier, they're ranked 23rd. They've allowed 375 yards of offence in seven of the 12 games they've played so far. They've conceded 32 touchdowns all season. Um, against us, they allowed 208 passing yards, 169 rush yards. and we, we made it look easy. Brock Purdy made it look easy. And I asked you two guys a question off air, which I'm going to ask you on air. So KJ Wright does a lot of work on the Seahawks defence. So I've been watching a bit of his YouTube today. And he said that this Seahawks team just doesn't have an identity on either side of the ball. And what his main concern with this defence is communication. And he was showing examples against us and against the Cowboys where pre-snap motion, the defenders are not talking to each other. And he said they're not even gesturing, they're not even moving. And then he showed a great clip of the CMCs had a lot of plaudits for one of his fake hand-ups. And then Brock Purdy goes the other way to Debo. And as KJ Wright said, if you're not going to communicate in this, Kyle Shanahan's going to basically have your pants down and he's going to have his way every which way he wants because that's what Kyle Shanahan does. Now, he doesn't know whether to play man or zone this Sunday and he gave a more eloquent breakdown than I can. But he just said they haven't got the personnel to play either. If you go man, who marks George Kittle, Jamal Adams? And then he showed the clip of Adams being handed his backside by Jake Ferguson. He then said, if you go zone, and he showed you the Brandon Ayuk touchdown against him. And he said he believes that this is going to be a long afternoon for the Seahawks. And again, the middle of the field, we all know what Brock Purdy can do. You look at every metric you, you, you judge your quarterback on, Brock Purdy's number one. But where he, he excels, bring the pressure. He said, even if we try to get aggressive and we bring the pressure, he said Pete Carroll tried a five front man against us earlier on. He mixed up a four front man. He said, but Brock Purdy is one of those quarterbacks. Pressure doesn't bother him. And I believe that the linebackers are the weakest group on the Seahawks defence. And what position do you think Kyle Shanahan likes to attack most, chaps? Any clues? Mm, let me think about that one. And the way that Off Kyle... the Eagles. Yeah. Well, the fact that they talked about positionless personnel, our use of motion, and the fact that if he shuts down Debo this Sunday then Ayuk's going to have a big game. If he shuts down Ayuk, Kittle's going to have a big game. And then we haven't even talked about CMC in, in in depth yet. So I believe, like you two have said, it's going to be a beat down. I'm interested to see what, what Pete Carroll does because I think he calls the shots more than the coordinator. And I'm not giving my score away yet, Lee, but it's not 31-13. Did you, uh, did you want us to answer that question about man or zone? Yeah, I would like your, your thoughts. <laughs> If, uh, with that personnel, I think the the best thing I could try and do is probably take away the bigger plays 
and maybe try and just keep it with some kind of deep zone and accept that they're going to move the ball and hope that you can shut it down in the red zone and maybe limit to field goals every now and then. Um, and that's it's not much of a tactic, but counter that with a, with a quick strike offence, go for some deep ball threat on the offence, and, and maybe that might be my game plan. Um, Lee, what do you think? Exactly the same as you, Gareth, surprisingly oh, enough. Great minds. Yeah, I mean, on defence, I think they're better off playing zone because that's what they generally do anyway. Um, mixing it up didn't particularly work out well for them earlier on the season. Um, I think if they go zone and not go off the five-man rush like he did early on in the game on Thanksgiving, that they might have a little bit more success and slowing us down. But at the end of the day... I think it's just delaying the inevitable <laughs> because some point on Sunday night, we're going to slap them in the face <laughs> and they're yeah. not going to recover from it. So it all depends when it happens. Um, I think Thanksgiving, it's, I think uh, we slapped uh, them in the face and they're not going to yeah. recover from it. I think, like you said, uh, KJ Wright basically made the point, it doesn't really matter. They're not very good at it either. <laughs> yeah. So... It was interesting, his breakdown. So we, we talk on the show about JT O'Sullivan, uh, Baldy's breakdowns. And, and like you said, I am just a fan and I, I'm not an expert. So I go on YouTube, I read these articles and, and, and you put together our, our our podcast and you think, I remember the Seahawks with Russell Wilson with the Legion of Boom. And, and I said on the live, this is the biggest game of the season for me because I blooming hate the Seahawks. So the fact that I'm feeling so confident, but I'm not overconfident. Like I said to you, chaps, Fred Warner, Kyle Shanahan, the noise around the team is they learnt the lesson from last time. And yeah, it's all good getting the applaud. It's been number one in the power rankings. Kyle Shanahan actually scoffed when I think Mr. Kent pointed out we were number one in the power rankings. And he was like, I'm not bothered. I can be number 32 on your power rankings. I've got a game of football to prepare for. I think the offence is going to, we're going to see more of what we've seen. We're going to run the ball well. Brock Purdy is going to, put together a stronger case for MVP, which I know Nadji put in the Discord group, chaps. He doesn't want us to talk about it. I'm sorry, Nadji. After all the crap that I've had of non-Niners fans, I'm going to be beating that drum and talking about Brock for MVP. Because for me, we've had a year of Brock and I can't wait to see what the rest of this year brings. Yeah, it's been quite some some 17 games with Brock, hasn't it? Shall we, um, shall we go on to the score predictions? We shall. Let me get so. the uh, chart up. Yeah, and see who's first. Well, Nadji's not here. So have we had Nadji's prediction? We haven't. Mm, not yet. No, I've just checked there. He hasn't. He said 50-burger, didn't he, Lee? I, I remember that. Yeah, I think I think he's, it was Seahawks 50, 9 zip. Yeah, I'm sure it was something like that. Something like that. Bless him. So is it Matt? Do you want me? To, am I going first? Is that you are? Give us a second. You are. You are top. So you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, I've had a bit of fun with this one. Are you getting the for the people watching on YouTube? Are we getting the spreadsheet up? Or yeah, yeah. Lee's just working his magic now. If you guys listen on the pod, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the uh, right, yeah, little yeah. interlude, a little bit yeah, of elevator it's, it's, music. It's because I wasn't prepared for it. There you go. Paul's absolutely running away with it. Uh, and when I say running away with it, he's only got a four-point uh, lead over Najib, but 
N- nobody's bothered about Naji. Everybody's bothered about me. <laughs> He's got a 10 point lead over me. Don't know how that happened. I must have been drunk one weekend. Yeah. Not that you're competitive, Lee. Not that I'm competitive. <laughs> Come on then, Paul. What's it going to be? You're going so, for a loss. No, no. 49ers win. Um, I've, I have this one down 35 to 9. I think we've scored five touchdowns. I think we're holding them to field goals. Going 35 9 is my prediction for this one, chaps. All right. So they it should be Nadji next, but yeah. I'll go next. So funnily enough, Paul, <laughs> I think the 49ers are going to score 35. Ooh. <laughs> but I actually think the Seahawks are going to get 17 this time. Going to make the candlestick in interesting because whichever one of Lee's scores he gets right, I'm sure he'll point out to me. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't care. Believe it or not, I was going to go 35 9 because I thought the same thing three, three field goals. But with both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I, I just feel as though they've definitely got at least one touchdown in them. Yeah, I was I was leading towards 35-14 at one point, but I just think the way our um, pass rush and the way our secondary are playing, and to be fair to Metcalf, not that I like him, he's come out and said that Ward, he's got his respect now after he followed him at the last game. And I just I don't think Geno Smith is going to be able to do anything against our defence. That's why I'm, I'm saying field goals. Yeah. Over to... Up well. to me. Um, yeah. I have got 38-13 Niners win. It was difficult to tell if we're really because I can I can see this being over five minutes into the third quarter, um, and them just wanting to get out and us taking a foot off the gas. So yeah. I think that that was what made this prediction a bit more difficult. Of are we really going to bother? I think we did it against the Eagles because it's the Eagles. And we could. There, there you go. For the benefit of everybody who's listening on the podcast and not watching on YouTube, not, not that I've put the last two shows on YouTube because I've been that busy, but because Naji hasn't um, rang in with his prediction, we've given him a 49ers loss and the Seahawks putting a 50-burger shut, shutout on us. So tune that, in next week because <laughs> I'm sure Naji will take that rather well and it won't be discussed at all on the next one. <laughs> We should, we should have said that the Niners are 10.5-point favourites and the under-over was 46. So I think most of us have probably gone a little bit over that. I've I think gone, so. yeah. Mm. And have blown out the 10.5-point favourites. Didn't didn't Naji say he was going to go 31-13? He did, but I didn't know whether it was tongue-in-cheek because obviously that was the score you went with a couple of times oh. last year. So yeah. I suppose you would... We we will change this. We will we will change this when uh, we get his scoreline in. Yeah. But for now, let's stick him down as thirty-one thirteen. Because I'm guaranteed doing that. He's now going to think if I change it and they win thirty-one thirteen again, I've just lost fifteen points. <laughs> so have you got any bold predictions, lads? Yeah, boldies. Go on, Gareth. Give us your. Okay, almost pulled this out last week um, for the Eagles game and I thought, no, no, we're going to rely on our um, steady players and that was someone was going to score a touchdown for the first time in the season and obviously Jennings got it. 
because um, I'm going to go for that on this game as well. Hopefully Mitchell will play. But I wonder if Charlie Warner's maybe just done enough, perhaps in a bit of a garbage time, maybe if it, it might even be a Sam Darnold um, to Warner uh, touchdown pass, something like that in the fourth quarter. I think somebody somebody's going to score for the first time this season. Um, and that's that's my little little boldy, because I mean, what, what you know, what else is bold? We might get twenty sacks. Is that bold? <laughs> Six interceptions. Mm, what's bold anymore? All right, I'm I'm, I'm going to follow down um, Karras' path there. I'm going to go with the Trent Williams touchdown. Nadji would be raging right now. We hate it when we go down this road. So yes, Lee. So come on. That was that was my season prediction, wasn't it? Eighty yards. Trent Williams That's fumble right, recovery yeah. TD. I think Lee's defensive touchdown. For our defense has been so dominant, but it hasn't scored a lot. Well, not scored in a while, certainly. Oh, I tell you what, I'm going to go for two ballies. I'm going for two ballies. Trent Williams touchdown on offense. And a Sammy Womack muffed punt fumble recovery touchdown. Excellent. Mine doesn't feel so bold <laughs> anymore now. Um, I thought I might have given the clue away. Club 85 t-shirt off my good friend Ty Alston. Kittle hat. So I think Kittle's going to have a big game. I'm going to go two touchdowns for Kittle. I'm going to go 150 yards on the night. And I also thought I was going to say Brown gets a pick, given that he's back at home. Now, I know it might not seem bold, to some, but I would like to see him continue growing in there. Second start, isn't it? Yeah. Third start. So it's so, pretty bold. But yeah, so I think Kittle is going to be the the the, uh, the playmaker on Sunday night. So that's my bold prediction anyway. We do like to spread the love. Debo's had his game um, and I think he wanted that one against the Eagles given the uh, little bit of uh, verbals that have went on. So that's good. That's good. It is that time of season where we start to perhaps keep an eye on some of the other games and start to keep an eye on the playoff um, picture. So I figured we'd uh, we'd fill a bit of time um, and talk a little bit about where we currently sit. So the Eagles are still the number one seed. Um, we're still in second. Obviously a big game with the Cowboys as the fifth seed at the moment, the first wildcard spot, facing the Eagles. I think it's in Dallas as well, isn't it? I think so. It's a it tough is. It Tough is. season for them. You've got Detroit and, bizarrely, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, obviously being a, a division winner, division leader. Shall we say that they're fourth bottom of the NFC South? I think that's probably the yeah, best. Yeah, that sounds about right. And we have the uh, playoff spots being taken by Dallas, Minnesota and Green Bay, who come through from a fairly disappointing start of the season in a, in a fairly lacklustre NFC North to suddenly taking two of the uh, three playoff places with the LA Rams and Seattle Seahawks and Tampa Bay Bucks just out of the playoff uh, pictures. Surprises there? Who, who do you think is going to make it through towards the end of the season? And in what order? I think Green Bay is a bit of a surprise because I think Jordan Love struggled, but defensively they've been a bit more stronger. And I only know that because they've been scoring points in fantasy. And we were joined last week by Andy, our uh, Lions friend who was very joyful, wasn't he, Lee? So he he's keen to see the Lions get in the playoffs. But I'd love to see the Cowboys beat the Eagles this week just because of where the Eagles fans went on. A tie would be quite funny, but for the fact that we're going for the number one seed, I do want to see the Cowboys win. Yeah, I, 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 I just... <laughs> I, 
I'd love to see the Eagles lose. Yeah. I think that's I, the best I, way I can it, put it. I'd love not, to see the Eagles lose, but I just got this feeling that they won't because Mike McCarthy is he just does some poor things. Some some poor play caller. Um I don't think he's a great coach. I think he's a decent coach, but he's not great. And I think I, I don't know. The Eagles are definitely going to go into this game wondering how to keep the season together after we punched them in the face last week. So they're definitely going to be up for it. They know what's at stake. They'll desperately want to hold on to that one seed so that they play all their games in Philly. Um, not that it really makes any difference. Didn't uh, last week, but I can imagine the playoff game is going to be completely different. I think in the playoff game last year, we we had about 12% of the fan base there, whereas last weekend it was more like 27%. So that was a huge difference, and that had played its part in the crowd noise. So I think Philly is still going to go all out to get that one seed. And like I said, I'd love to see them lose. I, I just don't think they will. No, I think the and Cowboys... If they, if they but, do, yeah, if they do, then... They were helped out on Sunday by Pete Carroll made some mistakes and it was a weird game when I watched the game take back the uh, Seahawks. Cowboys, like, neither team wanted to win that one, but it's it's a huge game for both the Cowboys and the Eagles. Like you said, potentially the Eagles win the number one. I think if they lose, Gareth, they can drop down as far as five and then if they lose a couple more games, which I can't see yet. Uh, this is the big one, isn't it? Because after this, they've got Giants twice, and I think they play the, the Cardinals. They've got an th- easy running, the Eagles, after Sunday. But um, maybe <laughs> outside of the top three or four in the NFC, Gareth, I'm not that really interested at the bottom half of the table. And like you said, the fact that the Falcons are in there just seems laughable. And I think the way the playoffs have set up now, we proved that last year when we absolutely demolished the Seahawks. I think there's an argument for the Gulf's a bit too big at the top. You know, they've changed the way it goes and your number one seed gets the buy and then the rest have to play. So I don't know whether that's something you two chaps agree with. No, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm just sat here thinking that there is such a gulf between the top two teams, top two or three teams in the NFC and the rest of them. That, to be honest, doesn't really make any difference who, who comes in six or seven because they're going to get an absolute battering. But having said that, it's any given Sunday. Once yeah, you get in the playoffs, it's how you finish, not how you start. So yeah. one of these teams could be having the last laugh. The Rams might scrape in yeah. and surprise everyone. So I think it's going to be interesting. interesting is it perhaps is only going to be one out of Minnesota and Green Bay. I don't know how many. Um, I think the Vikings still have got three divisional games and the Packers have still got two to play. So I'm not sure quite how that's, uh, that works out between them. But yeah, it would be a surprise. I think out of the Packers, Vikings, I'd, I'd be going Packers. I think the Packers are probably they've yeah. come into a good bit of form. Yeah, and I think they've they've quietly grown in some confidence and obviously found a little bit of identity for themselves this season. Uh, and obviously they've got their quarterback, where the Vikings have been limping on with uh, with a guy signed off uh, the backup of the Cardinals. Um, good though, Josh. Good's fun though, uh, Josh John. Uh, Joss Dobbs has been, if I, if I can say it, if I can say it. He's got yeah, I mean, Jefferson back, though, hasn't he, though? Because I know I have him in a fantasy team and he's come off IR. So the Vikings obviously fancy the chances bringing him back. And like you said, the business They're end the of the season. Box. I'm kind of 
I always get excited at this time of the season, but you said at the start of the show, week 14, it just feels like oh, the NFL yeah. season's coming to an end, but this is what football's all about, December, January, February, in our case, which I'm going to be <laughs> very bullish at the moment, but why not? Let's enjoy it, chaps. Yeah. I would quite like the Vikings to scrape into the playoffs and get through to the divisional round as the low seed. As long as, we, the, as, lo, as long as we're the number one seed, just so I can have a little bit um, revenge for that earlier season loss in the Gowland Bowl. Not that yeah. you're compared, not that he's compared to everyone. <laughs> well, of course, out of the whoever the uh, Eagles and Cowboys doesn't win the division will likely be the fifth seed and will therefore probably play at the moment. It would be the Falcons. So that's all, it's almost a bye. Uh, no disrespect to the Falcons, but I could see somebody winning the NFC South with a losing record and somehow hosting a playoff game. Uh, but we all know that's how the playoffs work. It's it's the way it is. I'm not going to open that uh, can of worms. Um, but still, it's it's t- come to be an interesting uh, playoff picture. Uh, I think the Lions have done enough, probably, that they should win that division, even though they are a little bit shaky. I know they're still nine and three. But I think they've rode their luck a couple of times. Uh, and I don't think that they're a team, certainly that we should fear. Uh, perhaps, obviously, uh, maybe other teams in their division feel differently. Um, but it's shaken out to be uh, interesting. I think it's probably quite similar to our predictions. Uh, I haven't gone back to the uh, end of, sorry, the start of season predictions uh, where we predicted our division winners. But I think we're probably pretty close. I think Najee had the Falcons. I think the rest of us might have had the Saints winning the AFC South. But I think we all had the Lions, and I think we yeah. all had the Eagles and Niners winning their divisions. So it is uh, it is shaping out much as as expected. So we're Cowboys fans this weekend as well. Steady, <laughs> steady. But I was going to say, imagine going back a couple of years ago and telling the NFC North fans that Jared Goff would be the best QB in that division playing for the Lions. I'm sure you'd have had a few Packers and Bears fans saying, hang on a minute, who? But uh, no, as much as I don't hate the Cowboys as the rest of yours, and I've got a couple of major Cowboys fans, I'm not going to say I'm a Cowboys fan, Gareth. I would just like to see them beat the Eagles. Yeah. And uh, we won't go into too much in the, into the AFC, but obviously if you, uh, is there a team in the AFC you'd be worried about the Niners facing in the Super Bowl? I mean, the two, always, I, the two I think always of, dangerous, but they they look quite beatable. Their offense looks ordinary, and you wouldn't have thought that with with Mahomes. Yeah, um, but they've got Andy Reid as coach. Exactly, exactly. He's a very very good coach. Yeah, That's Ravens look strong. They do. I think Ravens are, are strong throughout the team. Um, Jacksonville, I think they're probably a, a season or two away from. Truly, being a Super Bowl contender, they just the, in a the Dolphins. The, the Dolphins would worry me mm. because of how good they are on offense, and the fact that they could turn it on in any one game uh, or be abysmal yeah. in any one game. I think yeah. they're that little; they're not as consistent. But when they're good, they're very good. Yeah, I think the Chiefs brings back the bad memories. The Ravens as well. So I think if we played either of them in a Super Bowl, it'd be good to get one over. And like you said, it's quite interesting to see Jacksonville pushing for the number one seed, Gareth, at the moment. And 
that's the one game this year where we absolutely dominated. So I thought, well, I'm, I'm not. I try not to worry too much about the AFC until the playoffs because, like you said, at the moment yeah. things can change, and you know, as Brady proved over the years, never count Mahomes out. He's a great quarterback, and what mm-hmm. he's done with. If you play fantasy football, you can't pick a chief wide receiver because they're just all nobodies. <laughs> Nobody's scoring points, but they're still winning games. And then obviously that connection with him and Kelsey and Lee said Andy Reid. And then obviously thought Lee might have made reference to the Taylor Swift connection because she's been a bit vocal about football this week. So, you know, if she gets the if the Chiefs get the Super Bowl, she'll she feature quite highly on yeah. everyone's broadcast. Mm. But interesting uh, battle, I think, for the playoff spots with uh, Steelers, Browns and Colts, bizarrely, all at seven and five in the in the wildcard spots. Didn't have that with the Colts um, and certainly didn't have our old mate D'Amico getting the uh, Texans to seven and five. Uh, he's definitely got to be in line for coach of the year, I think, with the uh, with the performance he's put in. I can see the Texans perhaps just running out of steam a little bit, not perhaps having some of the depth uh, to, to go the distance, but They've had a great season, so um, fair play to uh, to D'Amico. Maybe we'll face him in a Super Bowl within the next couple of years. I can just see Natchez he... face now was playing Jimmy Ward in the Super Bowl. That would be a whole show on its own, Gareth. Oh, yeah. Natchez still seething for my use of the word charbonnet, so. <laughs> More than likely. Poor Nadji, he misses a show and this is the sort of abuse he gets. Anyway, any final thoughts on, on the uh, Seahawks before we wrap it up? I think we've milked this for as much as we can. Yeah, none from me. No, nor me either. There we go. Thanks, gents. Thanks for uh, joining me and thanks to everyone who listens and watches the show. What is your score prediction for Sunday and got any boldies of your own? Let us know in the comments when we post the pod. Uh, we are coming into the Christmas period, so a little bit of advance notice. Uh, Christmas parties, families, work, all competing on your podcasters for our recording priority. We do hope to keep going with two shows a week, but we might have to juggle the schedule a bit, depending on our availability. Um, And particularly, of course, there's a Christmas Day game and a New Year's Eve game. Uh, So we'll we'll see if we, we can make sure we can record something, but we might have to do a double show at some point. Uh, Or... Unfortunately, we may miss a show, just preparing you for the worst. But we will do our best to serve your festive podcast listening needs. Enjoy your week. Uh, Don't forget to wave at an Eagles fan still, if you see one. And go Niners. Go Niners. Bang, bang, Niners again. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with Rob Tom. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the side.